Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. We're in Matthew chapter 5 looking at the Beatitudes. I'm looking out my window right now in Clover. It's kind of rainy today. We've been expecting that, looking forward to that. So that's awesome to see out the window. I'm sitting in my blue-gray Clover office right behind the Garnet Blue Yeti microphone, drinking a, a cup of Earl Grey. I couldn't ask for a better day than, than today. So we're going to look at God's Word together. If you have your Bible and you're not driving, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And so far, when we've been looking at the Beatitudes, we've, we've come to realize that we can find real, true, uh, lasting happiness when we do a couple of things. First, we got to realize our utter sinfulness. We're completely sin-saturated. We must come to the intellectual realization that our, our sinfulness and God's holiness just, just can't mix. They, they don't go together. And because of that, we are completely separated from God. So that's why he told us, be poor in spirit. See your, see your sin compared to God's holiness. And then secondly, we were told to, that he would make happy those who mourn. And we realized that when we grieve over the sinfulness, as you know, it hurts God and alienates us, it affects those around us, that this is, this is an emotional response to the hurt that we cause. So the first beatitude was a, a cognitive one, you know, come to the intellectual realization of something that, that you have sinned and you deserve separation from God. And second is mourn over it, green, grief, uh, grieve over it because it it hurts you and hurts other folks. Well, today I want to look at the third beatitude in the Sermon on the Mount. So follow along as I read uh, just one verse there in verse five. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I think out of all of the beatitudes, this is probably the one that people remember. Blessed are the meek, and people have a, a misconception about this word meek. Um, so let, let's discuss meekness here for a moment. So meekness in the original language, praus, means mildness of, of disposition or, or gentleness of spirit, humble, being humble towards God and for, uh, towards others. It, it's one of the fruits of the spirit that were found in, in Galatians chapter five. But the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That word in there, praeutes, is a form of that word, praus, meaning meek. That's the word gentle in that passage. Now, the Mount's Dictionary, that Bible dictionary, adds, adds this, that meekness includes the positive moral quality of dealing with people in a kind manner with humility and consideration. So, so contrary to popular belief, meekness is is not weakness. It's in fact, it's the epitome of personal strength. It's that trait that helps us remain gentle in our responses. It is it's the opposite of being a person who's accustomed to those out of control uh responses to to situations. For example, you know, just this week the the Will Smith Chris Rock incident, that was not handled with meekness, with gentleness and 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 humbleness at all, was it? So so there's there's this there's this word meekness that a lot of people are not understanding, but 
in inside of that word, there's a more spiritual and pointed meaning as well. Listen to James chapter chapter one verse twenty one. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And then listen to just two chapters later in in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So there's this sense of humility that's in this word. Okay, and so we humbly receive from God what what we need, our orders, our, our marching orders for the moment. So the disciples, when Jesus said this, disciples would have understood this word to mean two things. One, being able to control your strength, you know, your words, your emotions in order to to deal gently, to deal rightly with others. Thayer's commentary says this about it. In the Old Testament, the meek are those who wholly rely on God rather than their own strength to defend them against injustice. Thus, meekness towards evil people means knowing God is permitting the injuries they inflict. And he's using them to purify his elect and that he will deliver his elect in, in his time. Now that is so opposite of the, of the justice movement today, you know, where you got to strike back. You, you got to be stronger. You got to be forceful. You know, you got to be in people's face. This is the opposite. This is the opposite of this and being able to control your strength, your words, your emotions and, and dealing with others in a right manner, that that's meekness. That's what God wants us to do. So disciples would have understood that, but they also would have understood that meekness means remaining humble enough to receive God's direction, his, his equipping, even his discipline. Okay. Thayer goes on to say that this means we accept all his dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. So, so meekness is showing humility and gentleness towards others. It means that while you have the the right or the power to respond the way you want and, and to do something to someone, you refrain. You refrain from doing that for, for your own purity and for their betterment. So meekness is, is also humility towards God, not responding to his work in your life with bitterness or resentfulness or complaining. And the perfect example of meekness, of course, is Jesus himself. Listen to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus had the, the the very nature and the power of God, right? He he had the right and the ability to do whatever he wanted with whoever he wanted. He could have snapped his fingers and something bad could have happened. But for our sake, for our sake, he humbled himself and he died. He died for our sins, for our betterment. Think about it. He even dealt gently with those who had killed him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's the ultimate display of, of meekness. And Jesus said that meek people will be happy people. Now, I agree with Johnny Moore at Liberty University. Johnny said, in Jesus' day, the word meek wasn't a weak word. It was a strong word 
They would say it meant strength contained. This is about people constraining what they could do, how they could respond. A happy person is not one who's subject to their emotion, but one who is in control of their emotion. I think that is so well said. We will be happy when we're able to stay in in total control of ourselves and not lash out with at people in this unrighteous anger and with bitterness and complaining and and when we're allowed to or or able to accept God's direction to humbly accept that that direction. So the question then now that we understand meekness is is why will meekness make disciples happy? Well, it's the second part of that verse because they're going to inherit the earth. We should be happy about inheriting the earth. What does what does inherit the earth mean? I mean, a lot of people think, wow, does that mean I get to inherit the whole earth? And if everyone's inheriting the earth, am I really inheriting anything at, at all? Well, let me tell you, this is just an echo of Psalm 37, 11. Psalm 37, 11 says, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. I read an article in a, in a book called A Commentary, Critical, Experimental, and Practical on the Old and New Testaments. I know, I know, I'm a nerd. But the earth, which the meek are to inherit, might be rendered the land, which means that in, in Psalm, that was a reiteration of the promise that God made to the Israelites. Remember, you know, he promised them that that land. He promised them Cana as a, that was their their promised possession, that secure promised land of which the the Old Testament saints really really wanted. And it was the evidence and the manifestation of God's favor on them. And the that was the idea of of having the true and abiding blessedness of God. Well, this is what the Jews were waiting for. This is what the Jews were waiting for in the wilderness, the promised land. If if they were meek, they would get their heart's desire, their own land, but they weren't. They were resentful. They were complaining. They were stubborn. They were rebellious. And a whole generation died before the promise was fulfilled. So the, the commentary goes on to say, even in the psalm from which these words are taken, the promise to the meek is not held forth as an arbitrary reward but as having a a kind of natural fulfillment. When they delight themselves in the Lord, He gives them the desires of their hearts. When they commit their way to Him, He brings it to pass. That that means they they didn't see this as a reward, but simply a fulfillment of God's promise. This is the result of being meek. Not, Not rewards, but you get what God has promised. So how would the disciples have interpreted this? They would say, be meek. Jesus wants us to be gentle and humble and control. He said it, do it. They would also say meekness allows God's promises to be realized in your life. He's made these promises to you and your disobedience has blocked them from coming true. And they would testify that when God fulfills his promise, there can be true happiness because he fulfilled his promises to them. So how does this apply to us today? Well, Remember that that we live on the other side of the cross. We live on the other side of giving us the the Great Commission, and we are saved to be Great Commission people. What is the Great Commission? Well, it's Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So you see the command, you see the promise. So how do Great Commission disciples show meekness? 
Well, let me just tell you, just four things, four things here that, that will, will bring this teaching home for you. One is that we're to be humble and receive God's assignment. Believers are, are called to share the gospel message, and we're called to share that message with meekness. First Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness. That's the same word, gentleness and respect. Listen, this is our calling. This is our purpose. We're not to stiffen our back, stiffen our neck, and, and refuse this command. This is an absolute command for us. And what will happen if we don't do that? Well, I mean, when we allow our our arrogance to think that we know better than God, we, we turn into we turn into Jonah. Jonah, remember Jonah in chapter one of Jonah. We when we listen to our own arrogance and we disobey God, we get swallowed up by the world. Absolutely swallowed up by the world. So we're to be humble and receive God's assignment. Secondly, we're to be sacrificial for the for the betterment of others. Living in in humility. And being willing to give up your rights for the benefit of someone else, that models the attitude of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13, 14 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So we are to live sacrificially. That I mean, that's Romans 12, 1, right? Uh, you know, we're to be living sacrifices, totally acceptable to God. So we're, we're people of sacrifice. We might sacrifice a week of vacation. Instead of going to Disney, we might go to Honduras or, or Nicaragua or, or some, somewhere on mission, right? We might sacrifice a bonus. Instead of that new possession, we might invest in, in, in spreading the gospel of Christ. Instead of, you know, spending Saturday and Sunday in our own yards with doing our own thing, our own leisurely activities, we might sacrifice one of those days and, and consider doing a, a widow's yard or, or something nice for someone else. Such sacrifices are considered righteous to God and they will benefit others. This is a part of being meek. So be, be sacrificial for the betterment of others. Number third, be mild and gentle with others in discipleship. The, we, we Christians get so, so, so in line with where we are that we, f we forget about where people are in their walk. Look, people make mistakes. A new Christian is not going to act like a mature Christian. Immature Christians are in a spirit, they're in our spiritual family now. So we got to be loving to them. We model them. We correct them, of course, in love. We got to be patient with young Christians. I think that's why why Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 3. Listen to what he says. I think this is why Paul wrote this. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, listen to this, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We're not at the same level. I occasionally walk with my wife and I'm reminded when I walk with her that we're just not at the same level of exercise or speed. We don't, we don't even move at the same pace. My little legs take three steps to her two and I might as well just have rollerblades because I just can't keep up with her. But she's very patient with me. And, and likewise, we should be like that towards our fellow believers, especially fellow believers who are not where we are yet. I mean, I've been a Christian for a long time. Why should I expect that someone who's been who's been a Christian for a week to be 
is faithful as as far along in their sanctification as, as I am. That's ridiculous. So we have to be patient with people. We've got to be patient with them. And and then fourthly, when all when those three things happen, okay, when when those three things take place, when, when we're humble and receive God's assignment, when we're sacrificial for the betterment of others, when we're mild and gentle with others in discipleship, then then we can receive Christ's promise of, of earthly closeness with him. That's the promise, okay? Earthly closeness with him. That's not a reward, but a promise that he's made to all of humanity. What does James 4, 8 say? It says, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. The closer you walk with God, the closer he will walk with you. He wants that so much. He's made promises to people who choose to live that way. And I'm supposed to tell you today that those those promises, God's earthly promises, not his eternal ones, his earthly promises, the promises that he made you will be forfeited if you do not do your part. You do not do your part. So you got to stay close. You got to receive, uh, you got to receive those, those promises when you're, when you're close to him. So here's the takeaway. Here's the takeaway of the whole thing. If you will be meek towards God, and toward others, then God's promises will come true in your life and you will be extremely happy about that. It's a very simple, simple teaching. And I hope that is an encouragement to you and gives you a charge of direction of how you're supposed to live your life today. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for those who are listening to this today. And I pray that you would give them assurance that you are with them when they are doing what you've said your promises is coming true in their lives they will inherit the land their promises your promises will come true and you father will be known and shown to everyone around us father help us to live in that way and we'll give you glory for it it's in christ's name we pray Amen. Well, thanks for listening today. I hope that was that was short, but I hope it was beneficial to you. Come back next week. We'll look at the next beatitude. But until then, have a great week. Be blessed. And remember, if you're walking with the Lord, He is very much pro you. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed. And remember, God is pro-you.